Welcome back. You're listening to episode 94 of CCP, the Caleb and Kathy podcast, also known as... Conviction, Controversy, Pregnancy. If people could see the look on your face if you've read that. So intense and serious. This serious was an intense me. and serious movie. Yeah. Dealing with uh, big societal issues. Yes. Um, so this week we watched If Beale Street Could Talk. Uh, based on the 1974 novel of the same name by James Baldwin. Um, it was released in 2018, uh, distributed by Annapurna. It had a budget of $12 million, made a little over 20 at the box office, and was directed and the screenplay written by Barry Jenkins. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you got for background? Uh, the genre is considered a romantic tragedy. It did, I'd agree with that. It, yeah. I just had never heard those two together. <laughs> the, the genre of romantic tragedy. Yeah. I wonder what else... Uh, Falls under that. Yeah. It debuted at the Toronto International Film Festival. Also known as Tiff. Which is funny because the main character's name is Tish. Wow. This is just wild. <laughs> Connections. <laughs> I mean, that one was a little bit of a stretch, but... <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, The runtime was 117 minutes. I wanted to mention that Barry Jenkins also directed Dear White People and Moonlight. So, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Experience in this uh, subject matter. Yes. Um, And we can get into it a little bit more, when we talk about the movie itself, but I just want to say that, like, it makes sense how he filmed um, this movie based on what I had seen. I don't remember it being in Moonlight, but maybe. I think there were some shots like that. Go ahead. Where they, like, go up close on a person. They do that in Yeah, almost Dear like White filling the entire frame of the shot is just, like, a person's head, kind of. Yeah. Like, you see the full head, but it's, like, very zoomed in. Yeah, that definitely seems like a signature. Yeah, it's shot like, for him. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> what are we watching? A Barry Jenkins film? That's a that's a joke we can make now if we see that type of shot in another movie. <laughs> I don't know. If I would say joke, but maybe like we could make that connection. Okay. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's like his. I'm not saying his work is a joke. Okay. I just think it's like. A funny inside yes. observation from yes. some film connoisseurs like yes. ourselves. Oh my goodness, yes. Okay, this movie is set in the 1970s mm-hmm. in New York, specifically Bank Street. Not Beale Street? No. Beale Street is not really mentioned in this movie. Or this book. Or the book that Caleb did read. Um... People that I, actors that I was familiar with that were in this movie are Regina King and Dave Franco. But I thought Stefan James looked familiar. I don't think I've seen Kiki Lane in anything. Okay. Shall we? We shall. Okay, as Kathy briefly mentioned, I did read this book. I can't remember if I mentioned that on the pod that I was trying to read it. I think... Yeah, Maybe. when we mentioned that we were doing it next week, probably Mm-mm. mentioned it. Um, so in last week's podcast, 
Um, so yeah, I got it done in time. Yeah, uh, you did. I really enjoyed it, but we'll get to that in Book Nook. Uh, for the purpose of the podcast, I'll try to like bring in some perspective of differences from the book and yeah, like, no, I would how like to I hear perceived that. characters would appear or act or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as for the synopsis of the movie, yes, I would say this is a period piece set in the seventies, as Kathy said, focusing on um, two young African American people living in New York dealing with struggles of typical use that any race can relate to, but also bigger overarching yeah. issues with society, the criminal justice system, etc. Yeah, racism. I don't know how, how much I guess I want to get into spoilers is what I was like beating around the bush, but we can get into spoilers, Brian. I, at least in the movie, I don't think there's enough plot not to get into spoilers. I think there's plot. It's just... I guess it's not really spoiling it because that's the entire movie. Uh, Fani, the main male protagonist, is in jail like the entire time. And we yeah. learn throughout the movie why why he's in jail. Yeah. And it's sort of, yeah, a uh, family trying to come together to... Mm-hmm. A couple families, I guess. Mm-hmm. Fani's and Tish's coming together to try to... Uh, Get him out. Get him freed. Yeah. Okay. So. That was coherent. Thank you. Thank you. No, I I think that was good. Don't don't uh, knock yourself. You have a lot to say don't about this. Don't knock yourself until yeah. you try yourself. Totally. Okay. <laughs> so I feel like there was. I'm just gonna talk a little bit about the feel of this movie. It had a documentary style at times and then kind of more lyrical like poetry almost at times and that makes sense as well because i feel like in dear white people barry jenkins does that too of the like Like, documentary style yeah yeah because i would say that's it's basically a mockumentary like that show not to pull so much from that, but I'm just saying, like, I really see the connections now. Um, yeah, so that stuff wasn't really in the book. It's just, you know, the story of Tish, you know, it's yeah. focused on that. It's not really, it's talking about society in a way by talking about this specific issue mm-hmm. and, like, how it plagues our society. But it doesn't, like, go back to be, like, and criminalization of African-American service yeah. and laws and stuff like that. Yeah. Which, in this instance, I felt like it kind of took away from the movie. Yeah, it was a little jarring. I wasn't expecting it. That and another note I had was the, like, and they only did it once, I think. But at the very beginning, they might have done it one or two other times. But at the very beginning, when she goes to visit Fani in the jail, like, this is our first scene. So, again, that's not really a spoiler. Um. And it pauses on mm-hmm. Fani, and then she's, like, talking to the audience, like, as the narrator. Mm-hmm. But it does, like, the almost, like, record scratch, like, type mm-hmm. thing. Which was a little, like, what? It's <laughs> his sure style, I... Caleb, I'm telling okay, you. Yeah I, yeah, I don't remember that from Moonlight, though, really. But I it's been a few years was, since I've watched Moonlight. happened in Moonlight. But it definitely happens in Dear White People. So... So he developed it since Moonlight on Dear White People. <laughs> so you find me. Yeah. So I think Moonlight was 2016. 
Is Dear White People like 2017? This is 2018, like we said. There's been a few um, seasons of it. So When did it start, do you know? Probably around that time. Okay, so must have developed after Moonlight. <laughs> we'll have to watch some of his earlier works and see. I'm telling you, like... This has just turned into the Barry Jenkins deep dive well, cinematography podcast. No, I'm... Okay, but it makes... I did things a little backwards. I We were... We started the movie with a friend, so I was, like, trying not to take too many notes, you know? Um, but then, at the end, I went back and looked up the background information, which is what I usually do at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that this was the director of Dear White People, I was like, whoa. That makes so much sense and, like, actually makes me like the movie more. Because at first I was like, why are they doing this? Like, why can't they just tell the story? Then I was like, oh, this is kind of how this guy chooses to tell a story. I I didn't mind as much the the cutting in of, like, real images Mm -hmm. of um, abuse of African Americans in our country. Um, Like, I, I thought it was, like, powerful and, like kind of reminded me of like 13th the mm-hmm. Ava DuVernay but that is a documentary so it's a little different I guess mm-hmm. but I, I didn't mind that stuff as much as the, the weird beginning of like the pause and narrator talking that just kind of took me out of it right at the beginning a little bit yeah I mean I think and I'm sure you got more I'm interested to hear like more details from the book that were not in the movie because I feel like there was definitely more that they could have added to this unless they're unless they Um, told it all no i'm not saying that there were definitely like parts left out yeah but it was pretty faithful to the book for the most part except for the ending i would say okay was a little different Mm -hmm. uh so i guess if you don't want to hear like the ending you can skip forward a minute so in the movie it ends and Fani is still in jail. He like took a guilty plea. Yeah. And maybe I just don't remember reading that in the book. It really like So this book is set up like the first hundred and seventy five pages are like one part. Yeah. And there's no like chapters. And then the last part, part two, is like twenty five pages and that's mm-hmm. where it and even just like the last ten pages is just like, Whoa, how are we gonna wrap this up? Here we go, <laughs> like super quick. Yeah. But I don't remember reading that. That he you don't like, remember that. Yeah, I I thought it ended just more kind of ambiguously. Mm, so maybe the movie tried to give it more of an ending, but really, like, it wasn't an ending. And it, was... in the book, Fonny's dad, Frank, mm-hmm. gets caught at his job, like, stealing stuff, because mm-hmm. they're doing that on the side to try to make more money to mm-hmm. get uh, Fonny out on bail. Um. And he gets caught and then, like, is missing and they don't know where he went or something. And, oh, wow. Um, and that's and then they're like, should we tell Fani? And that's, like, kind of how it ends. Wow. It's, like, real ambiguous. Um, and she has the baby, I think. But, yeah. It doesn't jump forward. Like, it jumped forward in the movie. Sorry like... if I'm losing people here. We, I probably, uh, it's weird because we don't usually watch movies that I've read the book, so I feel like so familiar with the plot that I'm not explaining it probably as well as I should be. But yeah, Tish is pregnant. That's our protagonist. Protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Fonny, her boyfriend, is mm-hmm. in jail trying to get him out. 
he really wants to see his baby and stuff. It seems like he did not commit this crime. Right. Seems like he was wrongfully convicted. It also seems like he was targeted by a particular officer. Right. For a prior altercation. Yeah. Um, yeah, that... So, like I said, for the most part, pretty faithful to the book. I wrote down a few differences. Like I said, the main thing was the ending. Mm-hmm. Frank, as I kind of mentioned already. Mm-hmm. And then there was, like, one part that I don't remember that could have been in the book. Something about, like, that was the first time Fonny met my mom. He gave her that sculpture. I'm like, I don't remember that in the book. But it wasn't, like, a big <laughs> deal. They didn't keep coming back to it or anything. <laughs> yeah. Because they were showing him making it at the yeah. beginning. And then giving I'm like, are they going to keep going back to this? I don't remember this in the book at all. Yeah. But they didn't really go back to it, so... Again, like I said, pretty faithful to the book. Maybe it's just because I had literally just finished this yeah. like, the day before or the morning mm-hmm. of, maybe even, that we watched it. Mm-hmm. I was hearing them say stuff. I'm like, oh, these are direct quotes from the book. Like, I like it when per- they do No, that. yeah, I'm yeah. not complaining. I'm saying it, if you want a, a true adaptation, yeah. like this is about as true as nice. it gets. Cool. And I didn't hate the ending because like i said how ambiguous it is in the book yeah it's like at least a little more something yeah unless again maybe i need to read those last couple pages it just seemed very like we don't know what happened did he even get out on bail what happened to his dad well okay the movie still was ambiguous though because it just ended right and he was still in jail and then uh the son there, little Lonzo, is, like, writing something that they don't explain yeah, to us. Yeah, that really bothered me. <laughs> she, she was like, or Tish was like, every time. Ever since I told him. He's been writing this. What do you think it was? Do you think it was, like. Beale Street. <laughs> Beale Street. Or maybe, like, his Daddy. release date or something, maybe. Ooh. That was my guess. That's a good one. Like, if she told him, like, yeah, he's going to come home in like 1980 innocent, or something. maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Like, I think it's something like... It leaves you out there to the conspiracy theorists to speculate. <laughs> what could it be? Okay, so I, I gotta say something about this movie. I thought the story was, like, there. I was intrigued by the story. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was too slow. Like, it just moved slowly and I wanted it just like I wanted to know more and I wanted to get to know the characters more but it just was slow is that how it felt in the book or maybe that's just how mm. they wanted to portray it in the movie I you could argue it maybe as that because of how at the very beginning, you know, like, that's, like I said, the first couple paragraphs in yeah. the book is he's in jail. Yeah. And then, like I said, you're left with kind of an ambiguous ending, and it's just them trying to get... I mean, it takes place over probably six months, I would say, because mm-hmm. she's about three months along when they find out she's pregnant, mm-hmm. and then she has the baby at the book, right. the end of the book. So, I don't know. But it also <laughs> goes back in time, right? It- yeah, it has... I, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, I, I didn't mind that. Jumps back and... it Yeah, it was an interesting story, way to tell a story of... Timeline, yeah. Yeah, so we meet them present day, and you have that present day story going throughout. Mm-hmm. But then 
every other scene you kind of cut back to the beginning of their relationship and mm-hmm. then you kind of grow that throughout as well so you have kind of two timelines going at the same time yeah that which, didn't... which is how the book was written so nice that didn't bother me i just felt like like they were leaving like there was more that could have been happening or more dialogue maybe it's just that there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue that might have been what it was so a that lot it of felt scenes just like kind slow. of slow soaking in the atmosphere yeah type of thing gotcha that's fair but that's kind of how i i don't mean to i haven't read this book so i can't speak to that exactly but that is the the feeling i get from some classic novels is that they're slow (laughs) you like things happening every chapter i want movement people i want character development i want dialogue i want things that are happening so but maybe that's like like a metaphor for Fonny's experience in incarceration yeah like yeah. you want the time to be up you know you want things to be happening yeah in and the development not. of your case yeah yeah so maybe it, mm. that's that just Deep. dawned on me and like i feel like that's a pretty good observation yeah yeah i mean he was he wants to get out of there but he's stuck there and and not a lot is happening and he's only seeing his life in snapshots when like his girlfriend comes when Tish comes to visit and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The justice system is a very slow process. Indeed. Do we have some other stuff I wanted to talk about? Maybe? Yeah, can we please talk about the case? Against fun. the specifics, mm-hmm. okay. Because I, I have questions. I have. Go ahead. Commentary. Oh, okay. All right. Is it okay if I say, um, what he's convicted of and stuff? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. So, um, Fonny was hanging out with his friend Daniel, who we meet just in one scene. Right. We only meet him one time. Right. And do we meet him more in the book? Or was that... Yeah, I mean, it mentions him a few times. Okay. But it's mainly like that. Like, Daniel is his friend um, from growing up who's a little older who was incarcerated for a crime he didn't commit. Mm-hmm. Of, like, they got him for stealing a car that he didn't steal mm-hmm. and had to go to jail for, like, two years. And he runs into him on the street and they kind of reconnect. And Daniel's just really changed by his yeah. experience. and. Mm-hmm. And somehow they get, um, well, Fawny gets wrapped up in this woman's rape. Like, the his alibi is that he was with Daniel and, and Tish that evening. Um, but this officer, Officer Bell, like, has Fawny in, I guess, like, his picture? Or did he have to come in, like, in the lineup? I guess it was a live lineup. Yeah. Um, and the woman that is raped says it was Fawny that did it. Right. And in the book, they talk about, like, how they... I think this is from 
uh, Tish and her family's perspective and her allies. So, but it's probably accurate of like how they brought in the lineup, and she said it was, she thought it was a African American guy, so they basically brought in like one African American guy and a bunch of either like very light skinned African American people or white people. So then when she sees the lineup, it's like, well, it must be that guy. If yeah. They're telling me one of these is my rapist, and he's the only one who's dark enough to be the guy. Yeah, but the thing is, is that according to the case, or or I guess her testimony is that it was dark, and she didn't really see him. She so she didn't really know who it was, and she was just like forced to pick someone right and they talked about that in the movie they said yeah. like she probably just didn't want to relive it and just pick yeah. somebody to have it over with yeah so she flees to puerto rico mm. and this is what confused me the mom Tish's mom um sharon sharon went down there to i guess try to talk to her yeah and try to coerce her to come back and change her statement because that's all the evidence they really have against Fani is her statement that he did it. Yeah. My, I guess... And then I, Officer I, Bell saying he saw him running from the scene. Yeah. Right. And I don't understand how she was able to leave if she's, like, the key... Is it I mean, she's not convicted she's... of a crime. Right, but they need her for the case. They need her to yeah, I don't, say I don't, what happened. Yeah, I don't know. That may be against law. I'm not sure. So I was confused about how she was able to leave. And then... And then I was confused why the mom went there. They talk about it in the book a little bit. And they had that meeting between Tish and her sister, Ernestine. Yeah. And they're like, well, you can't go because you're pregnant. I can't go... Ernestine's like, I can't go because I'm helping the lawyer with the case. And Dad can't go because he's earning the money. So that leaves the mom, basically. That's the only one to go. And then they're hoping, like, since she's also a woman and a mother, she can maybe convince her. Yeah. Like, it's not right to put somebody in jail, even though I know you were raped. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't Fawny, so you shouldn't put him in. Is that typical, though? Like, for... No. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm going to ask. For, like, the... The victim's accusing, family. Yeah, the victim's family to then, like, talk to the the person who is accusing them. Oh, well, I you would say, I guess, the guilty part, or the yeah. accused family is talking to the victim. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, see, that's why I was confused as to why she went there. Because I felt like maybe the lawyers um, should have been handling it. Yeah, I think uh, the lawyer like paid for it, but he couldn't get away or something. He was mm. working on the case, I think. Well, it didn't help because Mrs. Rogers, the woman who was raped, was like really upset. I mean, rightly so. It seems like she's been through a lot in her life. Um based on what we learned. But yeah, she did not want to hear Sharon, Sharon's perspective at all. So that did not go well. Yeah. 
Regina King plays Sharon. I don't know if you mentioned that. Uh, I said, I guess I didn't say who um, she played, but I did say that I, oh, okay. yeah, that she's in this. She, she did a good job. I like Regina King. Yeah, she's, she's a- good in Watchmen. If you haven't seen the Watchmen series, that is like even more timely now. It's insane. Sorry to get off on a ta- Regina King tangent here, but it really because it came out, I think the tail end of last year, and it's about like police officers um, wearing masks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we're all wearing masks and stuff, uh, but they wore masks to like protect their identity because there was like a a riot where uh, like some police officers got killed mm-hmm. and stuff. But it also deals with, like, race and talks about, like, the Tulsa race riots of, like, the early 20th century. Yeah. Wasn't it's very it... timely. I'd watch it. Even if you're not into uh, superhero stuff, it's a very good, like, crime show. And, hmm. like, dealing Do you with... think I would like it? I don't know. I thought I asked you to when I was watching it. No? Uh, you may have. And I was probably like, oh, it's superheroes? Not interested. <laughs> give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I'd be willing to rewatch it. Okay. Yeah, didn't it talk about all the stuff that went down in Tulsa and a lot of people watching it were like, what is this? Yeah, because that is a forgotten um, and tried to be erased part of uh, American history. Yeah. Regina King, I'm pretty sure, is also in Legally Blonde 2. Okay. So she's versatile. She's been in a lot of... I think she's in, like, Boys in the Hood, maybe. She, I feel like there are multiple things I recognize her from. She's so, good. Yeah. She's good in this as well. Yeah, she does. I, I thought the acting in this was very well done. Mm-hmm. So would you say your qualms with it are more on, like, the cinematography, like, choices of, yes. like, how it's presented, kind of? Yes. Because you said you like the story as yes. well. I like the story. I don't think Which there is was anything weird, wrong with the do, story. Did you, do you have a problem with how your white people were shot? Or it's just like, it fits that. This, I think it, it makes seems... so much more sense for that. Because that part of it is that this woman has a radio show. Mm-hmm. And so she's giving like commentary kind of as the show is. It just makes so much more sense. Because it's like that mockumentary feel. Versus this is just a moot. I mean... It's based on a book, but it's a movie, you know? Like, it's not a documentary. Yeah. I liked that he tried to put a spin on it, but yeah, I think... And I feel like you had to do something, because, like I said, it followed the book so faithfully. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you just did exactly the book, then it's it's like, anybody could have done this, you know what I mean? So I I admire that he tried Mm -hmm. to do something, but I don't think the tone fit with the story. Yeah. But and these of, are these are minor qualms in my yeah. mind. For me, I guess they're <laughs> more they're major because I don't have like the book to go off of. Yeah, and and that's always tough when we get in. I think we've done a couple others yeah. where one of us or both of us have read the book, and it's it's hard to separate it out. You know, like yeah. oh, I know these parts of the story. It's like well, that wasn't in the movie, so you shouldn't really be using it to like judge it. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, maybe this would have been better as a play hmm. than a movie. Or maybe, I mean, it's interesting that you're telling me that it really is true to the book and there's just not that much left to add. 
Um, I mean, it is then, a shorter book. It's less than 200 pages, so. Yeah, I guess then just make the movie shorter. Yeah, it probably didn't need to be two hours, but. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, like, maybe this is really just a commentary on how I can't focus on stuff if, if stuff isn't happening so that that could just be me but there were times where I was like losing interest not because I didn't like the story but it wasn't it, the pace was too slow so okay I feel like we've covered most of the plot points and most of our thoughts so do you want to give some final thoughts okay so final thoughts I would say that I liked the story, but I just had some qualms of how they, how it was put together in terms of pace, and I didn't really think the documentary feel was needed. I felt like the story was strong enough to kind of stand on its own. So, I mean, I'm not a director, so I real or a screenwriter. So this is coming from an amateur's perspective here, but I just don't think that that was needed for this story so that took away from the movie for me Um, but it by no means was a bad movie and I feel like it was still incredibly timely even though this movie is from um takes place in the 70s I feel like all this stuff we're still dealing with today stop stealing my points (laughs) okay you can you can uh Uh, take it from there I'd agree with uh, most of the stuff you said, I was okay with the documentary bits like we talked about earlier. But yeah, I, my last little note that I had was I think it did a good job representing the issues that we are still plagued with today. Like you were just saying of how timely maybe is, even though this takes place almost 50 years ago. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're still dealing with these same issues of uh, race relations and police brutality and uh, the, the uh, incarceration uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The in inequity, I guess. Yeah. Of incarceration of African Americans mm-hmm. and compared to whites and other races, mm-hmm. um, and just the criminal justice system in general and how it can really get bogged down mm-hmm. um, and slowed to a stop with all of the uh, arrest the police make. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking for a good deep dive on that i recommend Mm. serial season three it talks all about the criminal justice system and they spend like a year in the cleveland cleveland court system and saying talking about like how if every court case went to trial the system would just fall apart because Mm -hmm. there's no way to do it they would need so many more judges anyways yeah so issues like that racism also of like i think it did a pretty good job of talking about like rape culture and like how um tish's family was like she was probably raped like we don't like want to go down there and just say like you weren't raped come on like yeah like they believed rape just like we don't think it was funny yeah and she did it because she was scared and stuff yeah um so yeah i enjoyed it i had a few qualms like i said with the the narrator fourth wall stuff but mm-hmm. overall i liked it good should we rank it 
Yeah, let's do it. Let's rank if Beale Street could talk. Where you got it. Okay, I have it at 18, which I could move up a little bit, but I'd have to see some, review some of the movies to... Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, I'm going to need some uh, evidence for your case if you want to move this up. No, I... Maybe 18 is too harsh. Well, I had it at 29, so... No, you didn't. (laughs) I had it at either 9 or 10. So, um, for review of what 9 and 10 currently are is Men, Women, and Children, uh, the um, Jason Reitman, is mm-hmm. that the director's name? And then 10 is The Boy Downstairs. So, you like both of those better than this? You can say that. I'm just, just asking. I mean, yes. What about the half of it? Yes. <laughs> okay. Mid-90s. Um, okay. So you're willing to give me the new number 12? Yeah. Behind the half of it. Because it's a compromise. I mean, you'd still be winning if we're going that way, which we're not. But I'm just saying, like, if you want 9 and I want 18. So you want it at 14 or 15? Right in the middle? No. So I'm saying I'm compromising even more because I'm putting it up. I, I don't want you to put it there if you agree with that. Did you like this better than mid-90s? No. <laughs> okay, well, I can tell it's going to fall some more. Outside in? No. Your sister's sister? Yes. <laughs> so now you're going to split up the Lynn movies. No, I'm just kidding. That's fine. Uh, I so know, Caleb, we can... Co- I mean, you compromise sometimes with me, you know? And so... Where would you like to put it? I don't want to put it in a top ten. I don't think it's a top ten movie of the movies I've seen. Can I'm I sorry. put it ahead of half of it? Because I don't Fine. like that movie. Fine. So what, is, what does that make it? Eleven. Okay. Eleven it is. That's, Love it, you. Because this is like our joint feelings, even though I felt like this was a three out of five star movie. I'm probably letting the book cloud my judgment. So maybe we should lean more on you. No. 11 it is. 11 is fine. Okay. Behind the boy downstairs, the head of half of it. Let's do it. Let's do what? Rank it there. Rank it there? (laughs) (laughs) It's like I haven't asked about the next thing yet. All right. Uh... Now we will take a step into the book nook. Let me guess what book you're going to talk about. Is it... Boomtown? (laughs) Just looking around the room for a book title. Is it If Beale Street Could Talk? How did you know? Yeah, so I'll be brief on this since we just spent the first 30 minutes talking (laughs) about the movie, which is based on the book, which I said is very faithful. So if you like the movie, I don't know if there's a point to read the book, I guess, because it's so faithful. So it doesn't if you add, haven't like, watched the movie yet, <laughs> and you, you listen wanna... to this podcast through now, <laughs> it's a very tight demographic. Um, I would just say, yeah, I liked it. I think I will read some more James Baldwin. You I also liked that it. it was, yeah, and I also liked that it was short. Uh, so that's hey, nice. That is a 
um, a good writer, but I did think it had some interesting stuff because James Baldwin is a man, obviously, um, but it's written from a female perspective, like first mm-hmm. person from Tish's mm-hmm. point of view. Uh, but I thought he did a pretty good job of that. And then also, uh, just be warned, there are some sex scenes. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and there were some sex scenes in the movie as well. Yeah. We didn't talk about but, really, but... Yeah, we really didn't. That was okay. I was okay with that. All right. That didn't what, what's your uh, book nook this week? All right. So, I finished the book A Mother's Reckoning by Sue Klebold. She is... The mother of one of the Columbine shooters, Dylan. And I found this book to be very riveting. I, anytime I was reading it, I didn't want to put it down. But I would get tired, so then I would put it down. Um, but I probably could have read it even quicker, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I get tired, so I put it down. <laughs> I mean, you gotta go to sleep eventually. But it was really good. It was a really good read, obviously incredibly upsetting and a tough um, topic to read about, but it's the third Columbine book that I've read, so this topic definitely fascinates me. And <laughs> Becoming an expert. I, I just, I don't know. You know how, like, Where would you rank of your three ones you've read? What's your well, like, I, this most one recommended has... type of... Okay. I think Forever Columbine by Dave Cullen is going to be the one I would recommend. She even... Um, Mentions it in there. She In the acknowledgments, like, talking with him about the events helped her and stuff. What was the other one? Um, it was by Brooks Brown. It was like a classmate or something? He was friends with the guys. Gotcha. Mainly Dylan. And he gets mentioned in the book, too. I think that all all three books are important, and they all kind of talk about different things, like focus on different, maybe, like, their thoughts on why it happened or what can be done about it. But I think that if you're interested in this topic, then they're all fascinating. Just kind of depends on what perspective you want type of thing. Right, because I feel like I learned so much from all three. Like, for Brooks, he was friends with them, so that was interesting. And also, like, his mom went to the police before this happened because she was concerned about Eric, the other shooter. And so, and the police just didn't do anything about it. And so, like, that is fascinating and concerning. Um, And he talked a lot about how columbine had a bullying problem so like that's the perspective that sue didn't get into that much and because neither did she Dave wasn't there, because yeah, yeah she didn't know that her son was being bullied mm-hmm. that was um but then she can talk about his upbringing and his yeah. own life and, and then, then dave, dave kind of has everybody's perspective yeah a reporter and but, you know, he did not have a lot of the perspective. Sorry, we're on the busy streets of Manhattan here or something. So he's like honking in our parking lot. That was such a loud honk. But Probably she... won't even come through. <laughs> <laughs> so why even, even bring it up? But um, she... What was I going to say? I'm sorry. Oh, man. Her perspective. Yeah. Upbringing. It's gone. I'm sorry. 
I'm going to stick my head out. Oh, now. oh, okay. I, I got it back. Um, so the, the legal advice that both the Klebolds and the Harris's, the other family, were given was to, you know, because, like, they had all these lawsuits against them and stuff. It was to not really be that public with the media or with anyone. And so people took that to mean that, like, they had something to hide. Mm-hmm. And so... Dave didn't really get that much information about them. And so this is like her coming, uh, like being more open for the first time. Um, And that's one of the reasons she wrote this book is because they didn't really say, they took the approach. They didn't say much at the time. Yeah. Gotcha. So I don't, I just could go on and on about it, but we got to move on. So. All right. So. Yeah. That's what we're reading. We just finished reading, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to what we're going to be watching next week. Next week, we're going to watch The One I Love, which looks like a quirky Mark Duplass movie, so we you love know, those you here. Know we want... <laughs> That's the one I love. The one with the quirky Mark Duplass. Oh, we love us some Duplass on this podcast. Um, so the one I love is on Netflix. So you can check it I out I want to be like you with my John Cusack and be like, not this again. It's Duplass. I don't know if it actually is. I'm just kidding. I thought it was Duplass. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm just joking. <laughs> oh my God. I can't with you and John Cusack. Did I not say it right that time? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun to like. All right. So the one I love, it's available on Netflix. Uh, looks like starring Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss. Ooh, that rhymes. Duplass and Moss. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Look forward to watching that streaming on Netflix next week. You want to take us out? All righty. I think you should talk to your loved ones, but only in very small groups, especially with the holidays coming up. Be mindful of that. I didn't think of a new one, but I just did kind of, as you said that, my new one for now, which I can hopefully put to bed soon, is wear a mask. Keep your distance. (laughs) Keep your distance. (laughs) That's pretty good, right? All right. See you next week. Bye.